Hello and welcome to Inside Fingal, the podcast that gives you an insight into the work being done by the councillors and staff of Fingal County Council to make Fingal a better place to live, work, visit and do business in. My name is Jerry McDermott, I'm the Media and Communications Manager here at Fingal County Council and I hope you'll stay with me as we continue to inform you about the work of your local authority. On February the 1st, 2019, Fingal County Council became the first local authority in Ireland to move to a centralised model of procurement with the establishment of the Central Procurement Unit. The unit, which is led by a procurement officer operating as a head of procurement services, provides full tender support to departments across the organisation and has led to improvements in the Council's corporate governance structures, which in turn has led to a positive response from the Audit Committee and the Local Government Auditor. I'm delighted to be joined on episode 14 of the Inside Fingal podcast by Brian Murray, the procurement officer who heads up the Central Procurement Unit and was responsible for overseeing its establishment. Brian, you're very welcome to Inside Fingal. Thank you, Jerry. Delighted to be here. So, let's start with the basics. What is procurement and why is it so important to an organisation like Fingal County Council? Yes, Jerry. Procurement is very important to the organisation because in Fingal we have an annual procurement plan that contains over 350 procurements valued in excess of 25,000 with a total value of 191 million. So an annual spend of 191 million on high value procurements with low value procurements of around 12 to 13 million. So in excess of 200 million of the taxpayers money in Fingal is spent with suppliers on goods, services and works. And what sort of things would you be buying with that 191 million? Yeah, no, Jerry as a local authority, we're very much work centric. So you would be, you would, the public would be familiar with roads, bridges, and particularly greenways in Fingal now as a, as a new uh, development, the act of travel. So everything in the public realm, from parks, roads, bridges, playgrounds. Also, then we need services to support those works contractors. So we would have engineering, integrated design teams from architects. Uh, quantity surveyors, the whole public realm is supported by a lot of technical expertise. So we would procure those services to work with our procured contractors. Uh, in terms of supplies and services, we would have um, a, lo- a lot of um, a lot of purchases in terms of um, keeping the business rolling. So our fleet, for example, is a, is a big part of our supply and we buy a lot of vehicles, particularly now we're moving into electric vehicles and we'll probably touch on the green procurement shortly, but electric vehicles is definitely the focus of, of Fingal at the moment in terms of renewing our fleet. I'll tell you what, let's talk about green procurement now. Yes. What exactly is that? Green procurement is basically, Jerry, that when we acquire supply services or works uh, on behalf of the public that we're doing it in a way that while it's compliant with public procurement rules which we which are very important it's about ensuring that we we buy those uh, with minimum harmful effects on the environment and society which i think is what our citizens would expect us to do so basically whatever we buy is sustainable and isn't harmful to the environment so in a, in a nutshell the, the procurement unit is is looking after all the purchasing big and small Yes, very much so. Just to touch on the small purchasing, um, there are various thresholds of procurement, Jerry, starting with quotations and then moving up into tenders and then moving higher again into a higher threshold of European value tenders. But to bring it back to the lowest level, in terms of uh, requirement for supplies and services up to 25,000, which a lot of people would be interested in, the council has informal processes in terms of seeking quotations. So there's a discretion for a buyer in Fingal to seek minimum of three or five quotes 
up to 25,000. So in Fingal, we've been very innovative and we're leading the public sector in terms of e-procurement. So we use the e-tenders quick quote system. So what that does effectively is we ask all our buyers across the organisation when they're seeking quotes to use the e-tenders platform. Now it is by private invitation, but the, the beauty of it is from a transparency point of view, we have a tender box and the e-tenders platform that a lot of suppliers would be familiar with. So what it basically means is if we get three quotes in, they cannot be opened by the buyer, a bit like if you go to the bank and there's an electronic safe. They can't be opened till 12 o'clock on a given day. So what that gives to suppliers, that you can be guaranteed is a transparent and fair process so that all tenders or quotes at the lower level are treated the same in Fingal, so that uh, you can be assured of good practice. Tenders are open, there's a good audit trail, and there's a fairness about the process. I think that replaced a system where it used to be sealed envelopes and, and that type of thing. Correct, so it's yes. actually at, at, the lo- at the lower level, there was probably quotations were sought by email and phone calls and uh, written records. But for full transparency now, we have a full audit trail. As you know, we, we are subject to local government auditors. So with big value spend of 12, 13 million at low level, a lot of transactions at low value will add up to 12, 13 million, as I said, annually. So it's important for the council to be able to show transparency. But the biggest thing about this, Jerry, is we're trying to do this to attract in SMEs, local suppliers in Fingal that can do business locally with their own local authority. So what we would say to small suppliers out there is get in touch with Fingal. We have uh, procurement at fingal.ie email. Send us in your details of the things that you do, and most importantly, that you're registered on e-tenders. So while it is by invitation, we have uh, channels within the organisation that we send out the supplier information to the buyers, um, encouraging uh, them to use new suppliers where possible, and particularly if they're local suppliers where their social social footprint or the environmental footprint is lower, the lower delivery charges, and they're close to the organisation in many ways. Yeah, and and I suppose that closeness and localization and that sort of thing it all plays into that green procurement as well absolutely and that's that's the thing but also too uh, we have a local enterprise office and they're very, they work we work hand in hand and if people need more information or support or training on public procurement and how to tender with the local authority touch base with the procurement unit or our leo office if you're already familiar with them we'd be happy to help yeah, and, and I suppose that that is a big thing, uh, you know, the council being the local council wants to encourage local businesses and, and, and to sort of, if they have services or supplies that they can offer to the council, you want to hear from them? Absolutely, yes, we very much do. We're always encouraging um, new suppliers. It helps um, keep our own people uh, innovative in terms of uh, when suppliers send us in details of new products so that we can get the best from the market for our citizens. Yeah, so, so you're basically saying there that the supplier, the business, the local business, they've got to do a little bit of legwork too and, and make themselves known to, to the council. Don't expect yes, that the council absolutely. is going to know you and exist. One thing that a lot of uh, small value suppliers or small micro business they may feel public procurement is off-putting by the paperwork one thing that we have worked on is we have consistent tender documentation across the organization so if you if you're used to that documentation and uh, you will find that when you do repeat business with the council it is actually quite simple obviously we we have to operate in the public space we have to ensure transparency and equal treatment of suppliers so we must have tender documentation in a certain format but it is done with the best uh, intentions to get suppliers to work with us. 
One of the criticisms of public sector bodies like county councils and that is that there's too much red tape and particularly too much red tape around things like procurement and that. Has the, the move to digitalisation, um, I suppose, lowered the amount of red tape that there is and the bureaucracy? Yeah, absolutely, Jerry. Like, Jerry, every, every tender process we look for, we look for declarations pr- primarily from suppliers and along with their offering and their tender bid. So in terms of insurances or tax clearance, a lot of that stuff is is by declaration in the first instance. And then if, if a successful tender is emerging in the competition, we will seek to validate and verify that information. So for example, if we were going out to the market, we wouldn't necessarily want full details from all six tenderers. We would look for declaration and we would take under bona fides certain information at face value. If they're successful then in terms of the competition, prior to contract award, obviously we have to do our due diligence and follow up. So what I would say to people is it's very much declaration based at the start. So that should help encourage people and not be as off-putting. As I said, it's it's when there's big expenditure and public money involved, we must have some level of red tape, but we do our best to minimise it. And, and all the times you're thinking of the taxpayer and you're thinking of providing value for money, are you? Absolutely, Jerry. There's three pillars in public procurement and, and that are very important to get out to, to the public. There's value for money, compliance and then risk. In terms of touching in, in reverse order, risk is about ensuring that we have a good supply base that helps us because without suppliers and without procurement, we can't deliver the services to our citizens without, without the supply market. So it's important for us that we get the right suppliers and able to supply us at the right time with the right product. In terms of compliance, public procurement is very regimented. It comes from the European regime, and we have to work in a, in a, in a, in a market where there's free movement of goods, service, and works within the EU. Having said that, um, we can break it down, and um, by putting good practices in place, the compliance looks after itself. What I would also say in terms of value for money, which is very important, and every citizen is aware of what's value for money in their own, in their own daily budgets. What I would say for me is the optimum balance between price and quality. Lowest price isn't the primary focus of the council, and that's often been said that the councils are very much, particularly when the procurement unit was set up, it was all about getting the cheapest price. We are looking for quality products and services from our suppliers. So what we tend to do, Jerry, is we tend to look at the total cost of ownership model. So where a whole life view of a product or service is used so to compare various tender submissions or offers. So what we're trying to do, for example, if we were buying bins, we try and put a service in place that the maintenance is built in for the useful life of the product. So if we thought the bins would last eight years, we will build in a maintenance service for the full eight years so that we can then compare the various offerings across the whole life of that bin. Right, so, so in, the, in that case, if, if somebody's sort of uh, tendering to supply bins, you're looking for them to maintain the bins as well, like it's not just land the bin and walk Correct. away. Correct, yeah. And we're, and we're also looking for in that, we, we, we've, we, we look for innovative solutions. It's not always the cheapest price. So maybe just to touch in terms of how we evaluate tenders, while we will have a specification of requirements, generally we will put in award criteria to assess them. And methodology, um, product offering, contract management, there are often considerations that will gain extra marks other than price, because as I said, we're not always about the cheapest. We're about getting the best solution that will help us deliver our services. 
There's a phrase I've come across, meat, that people sometimes use in, in procurement. What, what is that? Yeah, meat is most economically advantageous tender, Jerry. So that, that's using that combination of price plus qualitative criteria. Right. And um, to, to just take us through the process. Like, say, for example, the councillors have made a decision to, to build something um, and we've, we've been told to go and, and procure somebody to, to build it. What, what happens? And, Jerry, the, the most important thing in procurement is to, to plan ahead. Very important. So we will do a lot of initial work with our, our own colleagues in the departments, specifying the requirements, working really hard to ensure that we've nailed down the requirements to the exact degree to get the best offering uh, from the market. The next stage then is to talk to the market, do market soundings or do some engagement with the market to find out who are the best suppliers to provide those services. Once we've done that, it's a case of a formal tender process where we we will advertise at tender level, as I said to you earlier, anything over 25,000 or 50,000 for works must go by public advertisement. So we have to prepare a tender pack. So the works requirements or the service requirements are the most important in terms of the specification. But the next thing after that is we have to give clear instructions to the market in how they can compete. So the rules of the competition effectively. So we will set out what so the criteria, the evaluation criteria, because that's what the market will look at. They will also look at the draft contract, the terms and conditions on which the council wish to do business. So taking all of that into account, we will advertise that document. We will give the market reasonable time to prepare tender bids. Those tenders come back in by e-tenders into the lockbox. They will be opened at the same time electronically, so there's a good audit trail. An evaluation team will have been put in place, so they will assess all the tender bids in accordance with the rules of the competition. Back to what I said, Jerry, about the evaluation criteria. We can only evaluate on the criteria that we set out. So this is back to the European procurement principles, two of which that are very important to our audience today, and, and we would like them to know that the council take very seriously, are the principles of transparency and equal treatment. So the transparency, Jerry, is about the public advertisement and putting the documents out that they're clear and giving assurance to the public that those rules will be the rules that will be followed and then equal treatment so all suppliers are treated equally in terms of when they put in their bids that uh, for example if um, if one supplier puts in um, a bid and they leave something out and another supplier does the same thing we can't say for example well we know this supplier is one that's worked for us and we'll give them favourable treatment. We must assess all tenders based on the tender submissions in front of us, and we must regard any knowledge that we may have of that supplier from our previous um, interactions with them. So it's quite a rigid process. So what we would say to our suppliers when they are tendering, answer the questions that are asked. It's a bit like the old leave insert, line for line. When we ask for questions, we're looking for the right information, because that that tender bid becomes part of the contract for the price. So if you give me a bid and you promise me certain things in your tender submission, we we need to make sure on behalf of the taxpayer that that supplier provides those services. So in simple terms, Jerry, if we advertise for A and a supplier provides Z, the taxpayer loses out. And it's incumbent on us as public servants to ensure that we get the best value uh, from our suppliers from our procurement process but also to back to the equal treatment if a supplier saw that we were awarding 
a contract to somebody and and they miss out because obviously procurement can can leave a sour taste uh, to an unsuccessful tender. It's important that we ensure that the successful tender, as to use the old phrase, they do what it says them to tin. Yeah, and and I suppose that brings in the whole area of con- contract management and that 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 when a supplier gets a contract, that as you say, they do what 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 they've said is on the tin. Absolutely. So we have a rigorous process in the Council of, of ensuring that a contract manager is appointed on every contract and they make sure that what is put in the tender bid is followed through in terms of delivering. So, for example, Jerry, often people will say um, product substitution or personnel substitution. So they're classic ways of um, suppliers perhaps change the goalposts on us. So it's very important. So procurement will work hand in hand with our contract managers to make sure that they're aware of the various um, things to watch out for to ensure that the council gets the best bang for its book. You mentioned that uh, when the tenders come in, they're evaluated by an evaluation committee and, and that. Who sits on those committees? Generally, there'll be somebody from the procurement team and we're non-voting, so we're there as the as the independent chair, so to speak. So we would have the technical experts from our own departments, could possibly be our engineers, our architects, or possibly our fleet manager if we're, if we're buying fleet. Often we'll bring in outside uh, help if need be outside uh, technical expertise but generally speaking it's, it's our own in-house technical staff who will be on the eval teams. And, and how do you evaluate the, the, the tenders like you, you, you mentioned already you have documentation there and, and that is it is it a, sort of an idea of going through the documentation? Very much so so what we require well firstly for all our evaluation team members and it's no harm to mention it now we're very strong in terms of governance so for before any tender bids are given out to an eval team they must sign a conflict of interest form to, to, to make sure that they're independent in their decision making so that's the first step that procurement ensure after that we give out the tender bids we expect our eval team to read them very thoroughly, compare them versus the specification and compare them against the evaluation criteria. The procurement team will set up an evaluation meeting. We will have a workbook, an Excel workbook with the criteria as stated in tender documents and a, and a rigorous um, process will, will commence then with the eval team. So procurement will challenge the decision-making process to ensure robust and independent decisions are being made and, and that the eval team are being as objective as possible in the tender submissions being evaluated to get the best result for the council. And there's a thing called a standstill period. What is that? Yes, Jerry. So the standstill period was brought in as part of the EU regime. So what it effectively means is if we evaluate a tender today and we decide that contractor A is the most economically advantageous tender, they're, they're considered the tender designated as successful tender in simple terms. So when we write out to say that they've been successful, we must also write out to unsuccessful tenderers to let them know that they were unsuccessful in the competition. But the EU rules say to us, we must enforce a 14-day standstill period. We cannot award the contract to contractor A for 14 days to give the unsuccessful tenders an opportunity to review the outcome of the procurement process, to possibly clarify with the council where they may have felt they, they were unsuccessful or they felt there was an error in the process. If, if they cannot resolve the issue with the council, or perhaps it's a misunderstanding or they need time to reflect it, there is a process there where they can take challenges to, against the decision in the courts. So this period of 14 days is to allow unsuccessful tenderers 
an opportunity to review our decision. So it's quite important for us, Gerry, and that was instrumental in setting up the Central Procurement Unit, is that we ensure robust procurement processes are put in place so that our unsuccessful tenders can feel while they lost the competition, they know they lost on fair terms. You mentioned there the setting up of the Central Procurement Unit, which, which happened in 2019, but, but a year previously, in February 2018, a, a decision was taken to review the existing procurement model. Why was that taken? Yes, Jerry, procurement in, in the public sector and, and local government is generally a devolved function that's pushed out to the departments. In Fingal, when I started as procurement officer back in 2014, it was very much help our, our colleagues put in place training and supports and push down policy or new directives. What, what, what emerged in, in Fingal is we're a very innovative and complex organisation in terms of procurement and we want to push the barriers out. So it was felt by the management and, and the staff that a new model was needed. So we did a review in 2018 and, and to look for the optimum balance because, as I said, Jerry, we have engineers, architects, fleet managers and planners they're, they're very much specialists, but they also must do procurement as part of their role. So what it was felt was if they had a support that could take away some of the heavy lifting, so to speak, on the complex procurement regime that we must operate in, in the interest of the public, um, that we could get a good balance, that we would effectively free up our colleagues so that they could pay more focus on their core duties, but yet they would still be part of the procurement process, knowing that for a safety net, so to speak, was in place with the procurement team. So the Central Procurement uh, Unit was set up in February 2019. What, what happened then? Basically, the first thing, Jerry, was to upskill uh, a team of colleagues. So we went from a small unit of two to three people to a team now of eight. So that shows the investment that the management team put in the procurement function across the organisation. So once we upskilled the staff and the procurement regime, we then put in place a consultation process with all the departments to make them aware of the new way of doing business. Uh, the, the most important thing for any organisation, Jerry, is to have an annual procurement plan. So working with our departments, we, we, we get a, a, an insight into what procurements need to be done ahead. So. Once we have that plan, we sit down and work closely then. And we, as, we, as we get closer to uh, the procurement targets that needs to be met, we heavily engage, back to what I said to you in terms of developing the specification, market soundings, market engagement, and obviously then commencing the procurement process. And within the Central Procurement Union, how do you, how do you judge success? Success for us is um, when a contract manager comes back and says, we got the right tender, we got the right contractor at the right price and they've done a great job for us. So really it's at the end of the contract is probably where I get the success to say, well actually the procurement process worked. So there was a fear at the start that the procurement unit was about imposing things on our own colleagues, it wasn't. It was about helping them to get the best contractor. But to get the best contractor, you must have robust and clear specifications and you must have a robust and clear evaluation process. And in the two and a half years or so that the unit has been in operation, has there been many successes? Lots of successes, Jerry. yes. And the feedback from our colleagues is that the, the support that they're getting centrally uh, is very helpful to them. As I said, Jerry, I think the most important thing is we're freeing up our staff to work on their core duties. So, for example, our colleagues on the Greenways, it's more important that they're engaging with Irish Rail and the local community and, and any other stakeholders rather than with procurement. So we try and free them up so that they can get on with their core business of delivering that type of infrastructure. 
There's other bodies like the Office of Government Procurement, the, the OGP, and, and the Local Government Operational Procurement Centre, LGOPC, uh, to give it its acronym. What, what's the difference between them and the Council's Central Procurement Unit? Yeah, so Jerry, going back to the to the economic crisis, um, the national government put in place a procurement reform regime. So they asked the various sectors to take a lead role in certain areas and the Office of Government Procurement was put in place. So what the Office of Government Procurement are, are trying to do is to leverage the public spend. So they take the lead on certain categories, for example, facilities management. So every public sector organisation has buildings. They also take the lead on utilities, for example, electricity and gas supply for the public sector. So common supplies and services are best procured by the the organisation within the public sector who is the lead buyer. So the Office of Government Procurement take a lead in certain areas. In terms of local government, we were... Sorry, just Brian, sorry to interrupt you there, but just talk about that lead. How does that work, like a lead organisation? So basically, if you you go onto e-tenders and do a search, you will see the Office of Government Procurement, they will put out tenders for electricity supply for the whole public sector. So they will put in place framework agreements or contracts and then they will apply to all public sector organisations across the country. So we would not have to tender directly ourselves on e-tenders for electricity or for vehicles. So bringing it back down to the sector, we're leading on plant hire and minor work. So the local authorities are considered the lead expertise across public sector for plant hire. So for example, if a university wanted to procure plant hire services, they would go to our colleagues in the LGOPC, based in Kerry County Council, and they w- so our colleagues in Kerry would put in place a procurement arrangement, either for the public sector that they can tap into, or possibly one uniquely for the university sector. So what they're trying to do is marry the market with the supply market, but ensuring that the best practice uh, and best value for the taxpayer is obtained. And I suppose the whole idea of frameworks is to, is to cut down that red tape we were talking about earlier. Yeah, absolutely, Jerry. So one of the things that we've been very strong, and you're aware of that from some of your own procurements with me, uh, we're pushing ahead with framework agreements. So try not to co- trying not to complicate to the audience, but a framework agreement is not necessarily a, a contract to purchase goods or service. It's a contract or an agreement with a supplier to regulate future serv- supplies, services, or works being procured. So it's a very flexible arrangement. And what we find about it is the suppliers like it because there's a bit of certainty in terms of the future. If you're approved onto a framework, you know there's a good chance when Fingal needs uh, supply service or works, the framework is where we will go to. Right. So make it, making it easier for, for both sides of the, of the equation uh, and that. That's very good. Um, You know, like obviously you you mentioned it before about the taxpayer and, you know, when the council spends money, it's spending the taxpayer's money. So do you think having a central procurement unit helps the taxpayer get value for money? Very much so, Jerry. So going back to our first engagement with with our client departments, we, we challenge the specifications. So, for example, if we're buying vehicles, we're challenging our fleet manager in in a sense. Um, so it's an internal challenge and an internal governance process. So we're really asking our fleet manager, for example, have they looked at the market? We will help them to look at the market so that when we're specifying a vehicle, we're absolutely ensuring that we're getting the right vehicle with the right specification. So that's the most important part. After that, then, it's about setting out 
in the tender documents, the requirements. So, for example, delivery schedules, extra warranties and different things. So they're all very important. So if we're going out, you know, the warranty period can be very um, instrumental between vehicle A and vehicle B being purchased. So it's very important that we have a holistic point of view when we're looking at our uh, requirements and looking at what the market can offer to get the best value. So definitely um, that internal challenge helps both of us in terms of our technical colleagues, but also too in terms of procurement that we're trying to get the right outcomes. And I suppose also you're, you're building up a lot of knowledge about the whole procurement system and about the various markets that, that you're involved in. Absolutely. And what, I, what we find is, um, w- you, you will see also that we have put out um, prior information notice and requests for information. So in Fingal, we're very much leading in that space. So you'll often see that we will use the e-tenders platform to seek requests for information. So we're asking the market to come in and meet with us, to give us a sense before we actually start a formal procurement process, that we have a good understanding of what the market can offer, new products, new innovations. Right, and, and there's no commitment in that, is there? Absolutely no commitment. For example, um, you, you're probably familiar, I think everybody's familiar with the e-mobility, so e-scooters. So for last year, we were the first local authority to go out and ask the various players in the market in advance of the legislation being published, which is, as you know, is imminent. We asked the market to come in and meet with our colleagues in the active travel department so that we had a good understanding of what the market may be able to provide as you see, e-scooters are around Europe and, and, and other countries, and they haven't been regulated necessarily. So obviously, we want to learn from the lessons of other cities and do the best. And obviously, the market has innovated. So that's an example where the market have come in and met with us, and we will be preparing procurement documents in the future. And that market soundings and that engagement will greatly help our approach in how that we deploy, for example, hired e-scooters across the Fingal region. So that's how you keep up to date with changing trends and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, and, it's, it's and a very useful products coming on the market. Yeah, it's a very useful tool. And, and yet to use this opportunity, Jerry, as I said, if suppliers have innovative products and particularly local suppliers, they should get in contact with us. We're happy to send this information out to our various buyers across the organisation. Very good. Um, in 2019, uh, Fingal County Council received the Best Public Sector Semi-State or Government Procurement Project of the Year for establishing the Central Procurement Unit, uh, and that was at the National Procurement Awards. How much of a boost was that to what you're doing? It was a massive boost, Jerry, to the team, because it really validated um, the efforts that we, we had undertook. It also gave our colleagues assurance that the Central Procurement Unit team were on their side and we were being considered by our peers to be leaders in, in the sector and in the public sector, I should say, as well as local government sector. So um, it was a great boost to us and it really encouraged us to, to keep pushing ahead and looking, as I said, uh, at the best we can do for, for our taxpayers. And, and as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, um, Fingal County Council were the first local authority in Ireland to establish a central procurement unit back in, in 2019. Have any other councils followed Fingal's lead in the, in the past two and a half years? Not to the same extent, Jerry. Some, some of the local authorities have central procurement, unit, units, central procurement units, but they don't do the full whole, whole range of services from the strategic, uh, strategic sourcing right through to contract award. Okay. 
Um, and finally, uh, just before we, we conclude today's podcast, I, I hear you've been seconded to work on a new procurement project at, at national level. C- can you tell us anything about it? Yes, certainly, Jerry. Breaking news, as they say on podcast, I think 14 we're on today. Yes, um, as you're aware, Jerry, the housing crisis, as I think the Taoiseach has, has put it, that this is the number one priority of government. And you're probably aware of the recent Housing for All strategy published by our Minister Dara O'Brien. So the sector has been asked, Jerry, to speed up housing delivery. And a key part of, of speeding up that delivery is procurement. So a housing delivery coordination office has been set up by the sector under the auspices of the local government management agency. So I've been seconded to the unit and part of my role now will be to coordinate procurement across this sector to ensure that we can speed up our procurements and work with the with the market because obviously house builders um, they want to build houses and we need to give them that certainty that there's a pipeline of projects coming through and obviously streamlining and minimizing um, any inefficiencies or, or misunderstandings in the process will deliver the, the outcomes that we wish. Well, Brian, good luck with that new role, and, and certainly when you come back after your secondment to Fingal, you'll have plenty more experience under your belt. Hopefully so, Jerry, and I much appreciate the opportunity today. My thanks again to Brian Murray, Procurement Officer with Fingal County Council, for giving us such a detailed insight into the whole area of procurement. If you have any comments or suggestions in relation to the Inside Fingal podcast, then please email us on podcast at fingal.ie. And remember, you can follow Fingal County Council on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube and LinkedIn, and also at fingal.ie. Thank you for listening. Until the next time, goodbye and stay safe.